Welcome to Hope City Online. It's so good to see you today. and We hope you're going to be blessed by the message today. If you do enjoy our sermons, then why don't you press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss out on any one of our sermons. We upload them every single week. And if you want to give to us today, there is a link to donate in the description. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. It's great to be joining you again this week. I'm here with Pastor Andrew, and we're going to be speaking to you today about how to deal with the devil. We need to deal with the devil today. We do. Amen. We do. And I know, Andrew, we've talked about uh, the church and how they can view the enemy, and we've found that often the church as a whole can have two misconceptions about the enemy. They can have an unbalanced view of the enemy. The first is that we can pretend that we have no enemy, that he yeah. doesn't exist, he's a non-factor, and we don't have to deal with him or assert our authority. And the second one is that we can be overly conscious of his work and we can overstate his authority. We can, yeah, mm. yeah. And we see that, don't we, where when things go wrong, people are looking for demons yeah. under the table or, That's right. know, or they're, they're, you know, pleading the blood each day and, mm. and maybe finding holy water from Bethlehem <laughs> to That's use. Right. And, yeah. and it's just, they become just over the top and That's it right. takes up all their time. That's right. And that is actually, that is an incorrect view of the authority of the enemy. And so to correctly deal with the devil, we need to firstly identify his lack of authority and we need to identify our own through Jesus. And we first need to accept that we have been born onto a battlefield. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and the battlefield's a bit like a chess game. Mm. I don't know if you like chess, Keith, or do you save all your moves for the dance floor? <laughs> Well, probably the dance floor, but I don't mind playing against an opponent I know I'm going to beat. So maybe when we're done, we'll, uh, we'll break out the table. Okay, okay. Sounds like a challenge. Mm. But, you know, when we talk about chess, the, the, the object of chess is to anticipate the moves of your opponent and to understand your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. We need to understand the strength that we have as believers, but also to be able to anticipate the moves of the enemy. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And we need to understand that today when we're playing the game of chess, we're playing from a position of victory. Sounds like me, Keith. <laughs> that's right. But you are in a position of victory today, Amen. And we're going to unpack three things from you that will reiterate the victory of Christ in your life over every attack of the enemy, every work, every area of deception. Yeah. We're going to talk about first what the devil tries to put on us through accusation. Then we'll talk about what the devil will try to take from us through deception. And then we will talk about how you can enforce your victory, the victory of the cross today over the enemy. And one of the keys to do that is to first understand that the enemy can no longer legally accuse us Amen. before God. Amen. That is good. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, <clears throat> excuse me, once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's great, I mean, isn't it? It's an amazing scripture. And Paul here really is telling us how we should view ourselves through Jesus and how we need to view the enemy. And in verse 21, Paul is really highlighting uh, an incorrect mindset that the body of Christ can have. We like yes. to call it the accusing mindset. And that is a mindset that is actually not in line with your position today. It can give you the false belief that the enemy, he has a right to accuse you legally yeah. in areas that he, you know, your life is open slaver for the critical comments of the enemy and he has access to you 
which can cause strongholds, That's addictions, right. wrong beliefs. And Paul says right here that that is actually not our position, that that is just a false mindset that we have that we need to get rid of That's today. Right. And in order to do that, in order for you to do that today, you need to get God's perspective. If you're struggling in an area of your life today where you feel that the enemy is accusing you and you feel that you can't get out of that, you need to get God's perspective for your life today. Amen. That's right. And Paul gives us that in verse 22. He says that we are holy in the sight of God. Think about that. That means that God's perspective of you and God's perspective of the power of the enemy in your life is totally different to your own today. That's right. Paul says that we are without blemish through God. And this word blemish here, it actually speaks specifically of a spiritual defect yeah. or flaw. And that is just not possible through the completed finished work of Jesus who was perfect in every way. And now that we have received him, Andrew, we are now the same. We are without blemish. We are free from any spiritual defect or flaw. And then he goes on to say in this verse that we are free from accusation. And that Greek word accusation in this context of this scripture, it actually has a specific legal connotation. That's Andrew. right. You know, there was once, Keith, a time when the enemy could accuse us. He had legal grounds mm. to accuse every man, every woman. No matter how good we try to be, he was accusing us. In fact, Revelation 12, 10, Keith, tells us that he's the accuser of the brethren and he's his day job and his night job is to accuse us day and night. Right. I mean, what a what a task, yeah, eh? Yeah, no overtime yeah, That's why there. we say he's a loser. But that's what he did. He used to accuse people day and night before the Father, tell the Father everything that we've done wrong. Mm. You know, he'd keep a long list of all the things that we should have done but didn't do. Mm. And uh, it says in Revelation 12, 10, I want you to hear this. It says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. So this is something that God yeah, wants us to understand today. Now, or the, the word means just now, is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. So this is a picture of when Jesus ascended to the Father. That's good. For it says, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down. So he's been ejected from heaven. Mm. It says, he accused them day and night before God. So I want you to hear today that when Jesus ascended to the Father, the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren was kicked out of heaven. Yeah. He was given his marching orders. And right now the Bible says, Keith, that the blood of Jesus speaks now of better things than mm. Abel, which, was a, which spoke of, of justice and he wanted revenge. But the blood of Jesus says, it's all been paid for, it's done, we're clean. And as Keith said, without blemish, mm. free from accusation. Yeah. John 12, 31 says, this is Jesus speaking of his time as he went to the cross. He said, now is the judgment. This word judgment literally means a crisis or turning point. Mm. It means a trial. And Keith has been speaking about this. Now is the judgment of this world. And now the ruler of this world will be cast out or ejected. So what Keith and I want you to know today is that the enemy has been ejected from yeah. heaven. He has no legal grounds anymore to accuse you before God. His job there is finished and done and he's been turfed out. That's right. Isn't that exciting today? He's been fired with no redundancy Amen. package. Amen. And we actually, we see in Barabbas, in Matthew 27, the story of Jesus and Barabbas, we see a perfect 
picture of this today. And I want you to listen to this and receive this because this is a revelation of you and your position today through Jesus. In Matthew 27, verse 16 to 17, it says, At that time they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. And so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus or Barabbas? Who is, or Jesus who was called the Messiah, or Barabbas. It's interesting here. So Barabbas, he's been held uh, under Roman guard in prison. Yeah. He's guilty of insurrection, murder. He's a lawbreaker condemned to death. He's not going to win Roman of the Year. No. He is a bad dude. He is a bad and dude. And it's interesting, though, that Barabbas' name, it means son of Abba, father. Think about that. His name means the son of Abba. He is actually a picture of us pre-salvation, a picture of you and me before we received Jesus, condemned to death under the law. And it says in verse 18 and 19, for he knew, this is Pilate, for he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that righteous man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. I think he should have listened to her when she had that dream. I think he probably should. I say, Keith, you know, you always should listen to your wife when she dreams, unless it's talking about money. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, she, she was on yeah. the money, wasn't yeah. she? So there's another, there's another little nugget for you there That's today. That's right. <laughs> but here we see in this scripture, Pilate, his role here is to be the administrator of the law and his name means, Pilate, his name means armed with a spear. Yeah. He is a picture of the enemy, that which wants to attack the body. In John 19, it says that when Jesus was on the cross, he was pierced with a spear. Pilate here is a picture of the enemy and he is reluctant to sentence Jesus because he knows that he can't accuse Jesus legally. He knows that Jesus is righteous, innocent, without blemish and he has no legal right to accuse him and he wants to keep Barabbas in jail and he wants Barabbas put to death for his sins because he knows that Barabbas is guilty. And this is like us today. The, The enemy knows... Uh, sorry, uh, pre-salvation, the enemy knows that we are guilty and bound. He wants to keep us in jail. He wants to keep us legally bound under the law. But as as part of God's perfect plan, Jesus takes the place of Barabbas here and and Barabbas goes free in a legal transference. That's an amazing story, Mm. isn't it? To think that this is all a picture of us before we're born again, what Jesus did on our behalf. And it says, Keith, in Matthew 27, verse 26, Then he released Barabbas to them, Mm. but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. What an amazing thing. The punishment that was due to, uh, that should have been Barabbas's was Mm. transferred to Jesus. It's the same for us that Jesus became our substitute. This is a phenomenal story that we're seeing here, that all that was due to us was placed on Jesus Jesus, Mm. and Barabbas went free. That's right, yeah. It's amazing. So that's you today. You are a son of the father that has been legally set free through the punishment of Jesus. That's and right. it's funny that after this, we don't really hear from Barabbas, but he would have been set free. And the challenge for Barabbas would have been to walk in a lifestyle, to walk with a mindset that was in line with his new legal freedom. So he could have walked out of jail free, Jesus could have taken his place, and then Barabbas could have embraced the same lifestyle choices, he could have embraced the same mindsets, and he could have given the enemy a foothold again. The challenge for Barabbas would have been to walk 
in his status as a legally free son of Abba. And that is the challenge for us today. You have been made legally free by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. He has taken your place and like Barabbas, you have been set free. And the challenge for us is to embrace a lifestyle, to embrace a mindset that is in line with our legal freedom before God. Because the only way the enemy can deceive you now, can entrap you, is through deception. He has no legal right to accuse you today. You have been set free. Yeah. So you're right, Keith. It was the challenge for Barabbas, whether he would walk in this newfound freedom. Mm. Uh, Jesus gave everything for him or would he end up back on the cross again under accusation? So Mm. we want to pray for people today, particularly for those that have been inundated with accusation from the enemy. Maybe this week the enemy's told you that you you don't measure up, that that you've failed, that, that God's frustrated with you, that, you know, when will you get it together? When will you ever measure up? There's so many lies that the enemy puts on us. And here's the truth that God's not listening to any of those accusations anymore. The challenge is that, and see, here's the thing, Keith, the enemy was cast out of heaven, but he still accuses us on earth. Mm. We're still hearing whisper in our ear. So God's not listening to those accusations. There's no legal merit to it. But the issue will be whether we're deceived by them and we take them Mm. on board. So we break right now in Jesus' Mm. name the power of every accusing word. And we say it doesn't come from the Father. This is not the voice of the Father. This is the voice of the deceiver Mm. and the accuser. And we free you from every accusing word from the enemy. You Mm. are free and Mm. whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And like Barabbas, who was set free, Jesus has set you free today. So don't get back up on that cross where you can be accused again. Be free in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good, Andrew. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So you are free today. Amen. Totally free from any legal accusation. Amen. And what we want to talk about next now is what the devil will try to take from us. So now that he knows we're legally free, he has no right to accuse us, he will try to take away your authority today and he does it through deception. Satan is after your authority today. Because God gave to man what he never gave to the angels, didn't he? He gave him unconditional authority on the earth. The earth was given to man to manage, not to Satan. So we actually have the authority, not Satan. Uh, Psalm 115 says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of man. Yeah, so God instituted a law on planet earth, and it's like this. Unless you go through the womb of a woman, you have no authority on the earth. That's the way God set it up. Everyone on earth, every human being has authority because we have a physical body. Mm. And Satan came illegally into the earth. It says in John chapter 10, verse one, I'm gonna read this out now. Mm. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, that same one is a thief. This is speaking of the devil. And he is a robber. But he who enters by the door, this is Jesus, is the shepherd of the sheep. Mm. Do you see here, Keith, that Satan operates in the earth as a thief? So a lot of people don't understand this, that everything that the devil has is by deception. He is a robber and a thief. He has no authority over you. He has no power over you. And anything he takes, it's because he's a thief. That's his nature. That's right. And so... 
the Bible makes it very clear that when Satan deceived Adam and Eve, he was able to climb into the earth via this different means. Yeah, that's cute. And that is a key. A key for dealing with the devil today is to recognise that of himself, Satan has no authority on earth. Yeah. No authority whatsoever. His only authority comes through his ability to manipulate, to control and live through people. That's right. So we, we want to emphasise this point. On his own, in and of himself, the devil is powerless. Amen. You know, I was telling you this story just the other day, Keith, about when I went to Bezeco, which is in the Philippines, and I was in this slum uh, place and I was walking through and just noticing all the huts and mm. it was amazing to see all the wiring. There were all these electric cables going from one house to another. It was, it was quite chaotic. Mm. And I noticed as I looked up that some houses, they would piggyback, they would get the, these wires and they would hook up to someone else's power yeah. and they would use their power. So they were, they were you know, powering their fan and, you Netflix, know, yeah. Yeah, Netflix and whatever else they had through someone else's power. Yeah. They, were, they were using that. So they weren't paying the bill, but just piggybacking. Mm. And this is what the devil does. He piggybacks off our authority. He has no authority of himself. We have authority. Not just, uh, and particularly as, as believers, we have the authority of Christ. Yeah. We, we've given, given authority on the earth. And that's what the devil is trying to tap into. He uses our authority against us when we are deceived by mm -hmm. him. And so I want you to note today that that's what the devil's doing. He's using delegated authority against mankind. We see this with, right through scripture, the mm. devil has no power. Mm. You know, remember the story of, of the, uh, the man with the legion of yeah. demons and, and when, when the demons are cast out, they cry out to be, to be sent to the pigs. Yeah. Why? Because Satan needs something, someone, some object to express his nature through, to draw power from. Mm. And so you need to know today that without your agreement, Satan has no authority. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Anyhow, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, from the fall to the time of Jesus' arrival on earth, Satan had control over the authority and splendour of the kingdoms of man, all because he had control over man. So in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament era, um, uh, Satan had the legal authority that was, sorry, no one had the legal authority in the Old Testament era to both deal with the devil and yeah. occupy the earth. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about, mm. didn't we, that, that right through the Old Covenant, no one could stand up to the devil. No one, there's not one occurrence mm. of, of someone taking authority, casting out yeah. demons, they couldn't do it. It was it was always a temporary fix. Yeah. And that's why it says in, in the New Covenant that the least of us is greater than John the mm. Baptist, who was the greatest in the Old Covenant. Because mm. we now have authority in the New Covenant over all the power and the works of the evil one. Isn't that's that amazing, right. awesome. Keith? Yeah. And that's why it says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And it's not just humans that were lost, but what he was trying to seek and save was the authority that mm. mankind lost. We lost our rights to exercise authority on planet Earth. Yeah. And so what Jesus did, he engaged and defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man. Mm. So he came as the last Adam and he defeated the devil in the wilderness. So he regained all the authority that the first Adam lost. But he didn't stop there because Jesus didn't want to be like the, the lone ranger on mm. earth. He wanted a family yeah. who all had the same authority. That's so good. he went from the wilderness to the cross and defeated the devil at the cross 
on behalf of all mankind so all of us could exercise that same authority. So now that we're in Christ Jesus, in the last Adam, we all get to exercise mm. that same authority. So Jesus has re-established what Adam lost in the garden. Yeah, that's awesome. So as you said, Jesus as man's representative put Adam to death on the cross. So the first Adam who gave authority, he is now dead. That's and right. all authority, all authority on earth is now in the possession of Jesus who carries the title of the last Adam. It's amazing. Yeah, so Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. So he's speaking as the son of man. He's yeah. saying, because Jesus had authority before he came to earth, mm. but he did this on our behalf. He's saying, listen carefully, church. I've regained on your behalf all the authority on earth and in heaven. So now you go like Adam was supposed to go and reclaim the earth back for the Father. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's So, you awesome. know, the key today is, as we said, Keith, don't give your authority to the devil. Yeah. Deal with him. That's right. Don't give over what belongs to you. The enemy wants to take, he wants to piggyback off your authority. He wants to use your authority against you. And when you realise that, everything begins to change. We say aggressively, you will not touch my authority. Amen. I will not hand it over to you. I understand that I have all power and all authority over you. We understand, Satan, you have no power and no authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. So that means Satan has no authority over you. So church, this is the day, mm. this is the hour to exercise your authority in Jesus Christ. Amen, that's Amen. awesome, Andrew. Awesome. Amen, yeah. So let's deal with him. Yeah, so we've de we deal with the devil and then we enforce the victory, don't we? That's right. Yeah, we enforce the victory, the art of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe um, it says in Ephesians 5.31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become yeah. one flesh. Yeah, so, so it's really interesting that you read that passage, Keith, because we know Ephesians 6 as the chapter of spiritual warfare. Mm. It's our, it's our go-to yeah, chapter, it is. isn't it? That we pull out when we're under attack. Mm. But isn't it interesting, Keith, that you read that Ephesians 5.31 uh, it, it precedes this chapter and it's talking about relationship. And then it goes on again in Ephesians 6, verse 1. Again, about relationships between husband and wife and, and, and children and their parents. So what, what, what's Paul saying? And I believe he's saying this, that many Christians don't connect the vertical with the horizontal. Mm. They don't understand that true authority, Keith, over the devil comes when we're in right relationship with That's each good. other. Yeah. The Bible says that if we're out of relationship, husband and wife, our prayers are hindered. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of Christians, Keith, don't understand that they, they think they can treat each other uh, poorly and mm. then we can go and wage warfare in the heavenlies and it doesn't matter. Mm. And, and the opposite is, is, is true that, that, that strife where there's envy and self-seeking, James says, is every evil work. Yeah. When we're out of relationship, it's, it's like we give the enemy a foothold to take our authority. You know, we talked about piggybacking, yeah. the enemy piggybacking. He can piggyback and take our authority through deception, through envy mm. and strife and poor relationship. That's right, yeah. So we've got to guard our hearts, guard unity. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to just make that point so clear today because, you know, Often, Keith, people who think they've got authority, you know, the intercessors, mm. and we love intercessors, so don't mishear me now. But, you know, growing up, Keith, I, <laughs> I, uh, 
I was familiar with lots of intercessors and I, I, I could pick an intercessor because they looked like the people that were, that were the most miserable people <laughs> and under the most attack. Yes. But they were doing warfare for Jesus. I didn't want to be an intercessor. No, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I found that, and, and again, it's, it's a generalised statement I'm making, but often these intercessors had really poor relationships yeah. with people. They were, they were out of relationship with the pastor, mm. sometimes out of relationship with their husband or their wife, and, uh, but not picking up that a lot of the attacks that they were under, the backlash that they were getting, mm. was because they were out of relationship. And they thought, if I just pray harder, yeah. if I get that special bottle of oil from Bethlehem, yes. You know, if I do some of those things and fast a bit longer, I'll get my breakthrough. And I've got a key for you today, getting right relationship yeah. with people and you'll have great authority over that's the good. evil one. Yeah, that's good. Because as you said, authority comes from unity, comes through unity and strength in relationships. Yes. Yeah. And then we go on in Ephesians 6, 12, where it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So we get, right. we get unity in our relationships, we get wholeness, and then we put on God's armour. We put on the gear. That's and, it. And we deal with the tricks of the enemy. And God's armour, that is what Jesus wore on earth. It is. The same armour that he defeated the enemy with 2,000 years ago. And it's funny that, Andrew, when we put on the armour, the devil doesn't know it's us inside. Yeah, is that Keith or is that God? Indeed, yeah, that's, that's right. Because he can't see beyond God's armour. And it's interesting that God's armour, it has seven pieces, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's also interesting that Goliath's armour, Goliath's armour had six yes. pieces, which is the number of man. But ours, our armour today, is, is a seven-piecer. It's and complete, that is, isn't it? Indeed, that is the number of spiritual completion. Yeah. And our armour, as I said before, is not to fight the power or the authority of the devil, but it is to deal with his deceptive tricks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, because it says in Corinthians 10 that um, the strongholds of the enemy are all about imaginations, evil thoughts. Uh, and so this is where the armour comes in. It, it pulls down all the lies and the tricks of the devil. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And so Paul tells us in verse 14 to stand firm in our armour, to stand right. firm in these seven things. So he says, stand firm then firstly in the belt of truth. Mm. And the belt of truth, that is what is going to dispel all darkness from your life, all fear, all levels of stress and anxiety, areas of your life where you have stress, fear, worry and anxiety. You need to put on the belt of truth today, God's word, what God says about you, the truth of your position. And it's interesting that it says that to tighten the belt around the loin area. That's right. And it's the loins where we reproduce, isn't mm. it? Think about that today, that whatever you believe, you will reproduce in your life. Absolutely. So a key is to put on the belt of God's truth and you will see that reproduce in every area of your life. Instead of fear, you will have peace. Instead of worry and anxiety, you will have vision and clarity and purpose purpose for your life today. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. Righteousness is a gift based not on yourself, not on your own uh, behaviours, but on what Jesus has done for you and me. Yes. And the more we awake to that, the more we have a revelation of the righteousness of God, the more you will fall in, sorry, the less you will fall into sin, That's right. the less you will be deceived and tricked out of your position because you will know your true righteousness 
in God. So we make sure that we put on the breastplate of righteousness yeah. and we are established in righteousness. And when we're established in righteousness, Andrew, we are far from any oppression whatsoever. Amen, amen. The enemy can't touch us. So then it says, Keith, that we have our feet, it says, prepared with the gospel of peace. So we pull in our our spiritual mm. Nikes or our Converse. <laughs> I see you've got your Adidas ones yeah. there. Adidas. And we, uh, we fit our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace means wholeness or completion. Mm. So on our feet, we have this revelation that we're complete, we're holy, we're pure. There's nothing broken. There's harmony in our life. Mm. Isn't it interesting, Keith, that our shoes protect our soul, That's right. the soles yeah. of our feet, yeah. which is the most vulnerable part of us. Mm. And so we bring peace to the areas of our mind, our will and our emotion. Yeah. And so we apply this by faith. We live in the reality of that because right. we're in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So church, make sure that over your soles of your, of your feet, you've got the shoes of the gospel of peace today. That's really good. That's really good, Andrew. And then we use, we wield the shield of faith, amen, the shield of faith, which will extinguish the arrows of the evil That's one. It. Get the shield up. That's right, the fiery darts of the evil one. And the shield, when you use your shield of faith, you stand on the word, you focus on what God has put in you, the faith of God. When you hold up your shield of faith over areas of your life, any sort of attack against the enemy, any fiery dart will fall by the wayside. No yeah. dart of the enemy, no arrow can hold, can penetrate the mighty shield of faith. Yeah, Amen. and those arrows are like a picture of the enemy's words, That's aren't right. they? All yeah. those accusing words that mm. you spoke of before, Keith. That's cute. When we put up the shield of faith, it, it, it absorbs every false word. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And once we've done that, we put on the helmet of salvation. That is the crown of life that has been bestowed upon you today. Amen. That is wholeness, that is prosperity, peace and health. And I know 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Andrew, it talks about how the helmet is described as the hope of salvation. Yes. That is the confident expectation of the goodness of God for your life, a yeah. future hope that God's got amazing things for you. He's got provision, he's got prosperity, he has peace for your life. So we put on the helmet of salvation, which is really embracing the new creation man mindset. And we expect the plans and the goodness of God to manifest. Amen. Amen. Mm. And you notice Keith in this, uh, these different parts of the armor, that there's nothing covering the back mm. of a believer. So that tells us there's only one way to go and that's forward. Yeah, there's that's no good. retreat, no surrender. We're not turning off and running. We're built to advance. That's right. Amen. Amen. And so finally we get to the two big ones, yeah, hey? The good stuff. The good stuff where we take on the enemy with, the, with weapons that are offensive weapons that cut down the enemy. And we like to slice and dice we do. the enemy. And that's the sword of the spirit and praying in the Spirit, which is the Word of God and anointed prayers. These are the two principal weapons of war, Keith. Mm. This is prayer and the Word. These are the two things that are essential to every believer. We need to know how to pray in the Spirit. So church, when the enemy comes against us, this is a time to pray in the Holy Ghost, to begin to pray in the Spirit, the Bible says that we pray with all kinds of prayer. Yeah. Prayer is powerful. Amen. There's, there's no substitute for a praying church. We can have everything else. We can have the lights and these are all good things and, and all the latest technology. But if we don't know how to pray, mm. we'll never defeat the enemy. That's right. So we pray in the spirit and we use the word of the Lord. And so we combine the scripture with spiritual anointed prayers. We pray out the word of God. We decree the word of God against this enemy. Mm. Keith, it says 
in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 that Satan will be consumed with the spirit of God's mouth and destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Don't you like that? Amen. That Satan will be destroyed and consumed with God's mouth, the words that come out of his mouth. Yeah. So when we speak God's words, we consume all the works of the evil one. Mm. So this is a day and age to replace ineffective, idle words with anointed spiritual words. Yeah. I, I'm convicted myself, Keith, that there, there are times that, that I don't use the word of God like I should I use idle words. Mm. Sometimes I verbalize my frustration. But church, this is an hour to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the yeah. pulling down of strongholds. Will the sword, the spirit, get the word of God That's and good. release it into the spirit realm and take out the enemy? Yeah. You know, when there was chaos on the earth, Keith, the Bible tells us that God responded by using the words of his mouth. Yeah. He released the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos of the world, waiting for God to speak. I'm reminded by that, that Holy Spirit today is waiting for us to speak. Yeah. The angelic realm, remember? Mm. 40,000 angels, we think, at least assigned to every believer that heed the voice of the Lord. So as you speak anointed words from God, as you speak the word of the Lord, you're releasing the angels. Holy Spirit is activated to work on your behalf. Yeah. So I want to encourage the body of Christ. Pick up the sword, pray in the spirit today. That's awesome, Andrew. So remember today that you have an angelic army and the power of God and the enemy has nothing, amen. He's got nothing on you. He has absolutely no right to accuse you legally. There is nothing he can put on you legally in the spirit realm that has been cut off. So you remember today to walk free, that you are free from accusation. You are yeah. free from any right whatsoever of the enemy to gain a foothold and accuse you before God. You are perfect in the sight of God through Jesus, amen. amen. And remember that you are the one today that has been given the authority on this earth by God, not the enemy, but you, and you are not gonna give the enemy a foothold anymore, amen. amen. You have the authority of God and you operate through the authority of God and the enemy has no power whatsoever in your life and you have the armor of God to enforce the victory. So I just wanna pray for you right now as we close. I just declare a fresh sense of power, a fresh sense of the revelation of the armory of God in your life, a fresh sense of revelation of what God has bestowed upon you. You have his unblemished nature. You are made perfect spiritually. Amen. You are free from accusation. Yes. You are perfect. You are made right before God. You are loved unquestionably. The enemy has no right to accuse you. We just break that off right now where people have felt accused, they've felt attacked. We declare freedom over that right now. We declare freedom over areas of strongholds in people's minds, in their inner worlds. We release people from addictions right now in the name of Jesus and we just activate the authority of God in their lives and we thank you God. We just declare an upgrade in the spirit realm, yes. an upgrade in praying in the spirit. I thank you God that your church play, prays powerful, mighty Amen. prayers today. So we bless you. We thank you for you a do. new season of upgrade and authority yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we close today, we say to you right now, everyone that can hear our voice, you are equipped from God mm. to deal with the devil. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Amen. Bless you.
Thank you for watching Hope City Online. We really hope you were blessed by the message today. And if God's spoken to you, why don't you leave us a comment? We would love to hear from you. If you do enjoy our messages, you can press the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss any one of our sermons. And if you want to give to us today, the link is in the description. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.